Wow, I like that. Oh, I like is, that a lot. This is getting real. Man. I know. It's like we have a producer. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the another episode of the Paranormal Pass. I am your host, Josh Hammerling, with Dalton Van Hooser. And we are back for another crazy episode today, mostly about UFOs and personal experiences, which I'm always fun. So I'm always glad to share crazy UFO stories and cover a little history. We have some news for you. But as always, first, we have to start the day with all of the things we've got to mention. You get to go. You get little, to do that one. Little mumble, yeah. mumbo jumbo here. Mumbo here. jumbo. Get yes. mumbo jumbo out uh, of the way. Be sure to subscribe to our channel, ring the bell to get notified of our latest ding, videos. Ding. You have the option to be notified for occasional videos mm. or all of them. If you are on your phone, mm. make sure you go into your settings and switch on notifications. Absolutely. And the Paranormal Pass is sponsored by the annual Family Fest, Denver's largest family festival taking place at the National Western Complex, Saturday, February 22nd from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Take selfies with Clifford the Big Red Dog. I know your kids would love that. Hmm. Free kids activities for the kids, vendors, prizes, and stage presentations. Also look for Parental Composure, our other podcast. We'll be hanging out there with all of our friends saying hello, letting you do coloring books of the beautiful OC and stuff that we have prepared for you. It will be a lot of fun. Remember that kids are free and adults are $10, but you can get tickets for 5 bucks by purchasing online using the promo code OCNHALF at checkout. Go to eventbrite.com and search Family Fest and get your tickets today. Act now. The day of the event. Adult tickets go up to $15. Family Fest. It's fun for the entire family. More info at familyfests.com. How big is that, Clifford? Huge. Because he goes yeah. through all sorts of fluctuations. I don't think he's the two-story f- two one that okay. we see in the shows, but he, you know, he's going to be big enough that the kids, when they see him, they're going to be like, oh, hello, Clifford. Is, is he going to be bipedal in this case? Or is uh, he you know, um, around? I don't know how to answer that. Okay. Well, I'm just curious. I don't. I'm just curious. It'd be really cool if they had one of those giant, big, fluffy ones that they can sit on. He's like, "Hello, kids." <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a Santa Claus situation where they end up being more scared yes, than they actually. Yes, yes, and then those poor kids are crying. I've seen some of those poor videos, yeah. you know, where they're just like with Santa the first time. It's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's always the worst. I never met my kids, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> you have kids. They're beautiful, too. You just had a, a youngster, didn't you? Yes. Yes. Uh, and, uh, sleep evades me. Hi there. Our producer just showed up. She was... Um... Oh, cool. Well, too late. We're already in. But So, um, we'd like to thank Caitlin for showing up and saying hi. What up, girl? How you doing? So, Paranormal Pass likes to start up with news. This is from UFON. Is there life on Mars? NASA says water there had just the right ingredients. The latest news from NASA is that concentrations of silica and bedrock discovered by the Curiosity rover indicate that not only did life-supporting water exist on Mars, it existed for a very long time. The silica was discovered within pale halos around fractures. The concentration of silica is very high at the center lines of these halos, says Jens Frydenvang. That's a hell of a name. The rover team scientists at Los Alamos National Laboratory in New Mexico and the University of Copenhagen in Denmark. What we're seeing in the silica appears to be migrated between very old sediment layers of bedrock and into younger overlaying rock layers. The current mission has been successful in showing that the Gale Crater once held a lake with water that we would even be able to drink from. But that was back in the... I'm telling you, Mars has got more than people are willing to talk about. Or admit. And and this was, what, millions of years ago or billions? You know, probably in the bees, but with all of the, I mean, they do have some of those rover videos where they're showing kind of seasonality, maybe some of the water coming out of those substrate layers. So there could still certainly be, and they, I think NASA has actually talked about that there being um, 
due to the seasonality changes that there is the appearance of at least some melted water that shows up. And if there's water, the idea is there's life. Yes, that seems to be the, the, the common logic that we always bring to life on other planets is we have, to, we have no choice as, right. as life forms yes. on Earth mm-hmm. to assume that life, this is how life forms. Well, if it works for us, we've got to assume it works for everyone else. Yes. You know what and be, so it requires those, it requires those elements yeah. and the, those ingredients to make it, but that may not necessarily be the case. I know. Some weird form of life out there that we can't even comprehend. Yes. And, and like, kind of creepy. Yes. Maybe and like nice. so studying our own, like, uh, deep oceans, uh, we've come to realize that one thing that we thought was required for life was a certain uh, amount of solar energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, not too much, mm-hmm. not yeah, too yeah. little. That was a requirement. Sure. But now we're learning that there's tons of life teeming of files, at the bottom yeah. of the ocean. Oceans, the deepest part. Where there's no sunlight at all. Kind of like water and heat are yeah. the two main ingredients. Which would, which that alone, removing that ingredient alone, yeah. opens up thousands of possibilities. Millions yeah. of possibilities for life to exist on other planets and uh, moons, for example. Yes, I know. Uh, Titan is a popular one Europa. for the life on other... Yes, yeah, Europa. Europa one. Report. That's a movie. Ooh, there you go. I love that one. That covers that and it's got those bioluminescent creatures that live underneath the surface. You know, it'd be really creepy. Because if we find life on other planets, they're all made of the same DNA. Ooh, that would be creepy. Now you're getting some th- some of that Prometheus. Stuff. I know. I like that stuff. <laughs> All right. More, more news from Live Science. The British X-Files of UFO sightings is going public. The UK's Ministry of Defense will publish secret UFO reports, UFO reports for the first time. The UK's official government investigation of UFOs can be traced to a group formed in 1950, the Flying Saucer Working Party. Kind of a novel name. Uh, the UK's official government investigation of UFOs can be traced to a group. I already said that. And from the early 1950s to 2009, a department in the United Kingdom's Ministry of Defense documented and investigated reports of UFOs. Now more than a decade after the program ended, many of those formerly classified files about UFO sightings can be made available to the public for the first time. Do you think they're actually going to have something in there that we haven't seen before? No. They never do. They never do. That's the problem. Yeah. It just and then you can't, nuts. And you can't trust it. You can't trust that right, it's Right, because it's a that, government agency. Yes. Yeah. So, of course, they're going to remove anything that could be... Right. Construed in any fashion as legitimate evidence towards extraterrestrials. Me nuts. Yeah. So they're going to release this, and then it's going to just embolden people into the. <laughs> and then it's just going to breed are. more conspiracies. I yes. mean, if there were conspiracies before, this is just more fodder for it. It's like they want us to keep guessing and wondering. Now, what what kind of organization would want you to be in the dark about something like this? If they either they're involved with them and they want to keep it a secret by keeping it public, or there's nothing up to it at all, and then it's just. That's the yeah, point of it. I, I feel like it, at the end of the day, it's probably just an attempt to quiet people down. But probably. it's just not going to work. It's no. not going to. That's that's not the end result, right? Yeah. From the UK Mirror, volcano erupts into fireball as UFO-like object floats mysteriously behind it. You showed me that one. It was a lot of fun in that video. Viewers of the footage were left stunned by the presence of an unidentified object hovering close to a fireball from the Popocatapetl. Man, that's a hell of a fireball. <laughs> in uh, central Mexico, this is a moment a volcano erupted, a fireball spewing from the crater, while a UFO just started to like kind of hover behind it. Uh, eagle-eyed observers were quick to point out the presence of the possible UFO in the footage. You can find that online if you go and search it. Uh, it you know, with that cr- as the smoke begins billowing out and the crater's light up, you can see a, the UFO streaking across the background. Now, this isn't the first time we've seen a UFO kind of show up in the background of uh, exploding volcanoes. No. It, in fact, that's a, it's a common trend with 
a lot of UFO sightings uh, that they're happening during events, other type of events, either yeah. uh, uh, weather phenomenon type events or paranormal type events, uh, supernatural, uh, where you don't normally correlate the two, but they happen to coincide Science. a lot. So either it's a natural phenomenon, this is something we just don't understand, or they want to check it out, or they're the cause of it. Yeah. I mean, I can't think of any other reason. I'm also not a geologist. I'm just an anthropologist by trade, which, you know, arts degree. That's <laughs> the way to go. From skynews.com, man whose headaches made him vomit, he had a tapeworm in his brain for 10 years. A man whose headaches were so painful they made him vomit has finally found the source of the health problem, a tapeworm that was lodged in his brain. Doctors in Texas think the tapeworm had been growing slowly ever since the man named Emily Gerardo contacted contracted it from eating undercooked pork in Mexico more than a decade ago. He said he'd been having headaches and feeling off for months, but an MRI finally showed what it was. Um, bye, it was good seeing you too. Uh, he, was, he fainted last year playing football and had to go into the doctor. Could you imagine going in, getting an MRI, and realizing that you've had a tapeworm in your brain? Yes. <laughs> that would be awful. Ugh. Yes. And it's, it was called a, um, I believe this was the case, it, it was a neurocystic, cystic, cystercosis. Oh. Sorry. Cystic, cystic. No worries. We're not doctors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one's, that one's a tough one. I practiced it and I clearly, it clearly didn't succeed in uh, memorizing okay. it properly. The, um, but yes, it's when a tapeworm larvae uh, migrates to the wrong part of the body because they're trying to go to your intestines. intestines where they want to hang out. That's live. where they want to hang yeah, out and live yeah. and spread mm -hmm. and, and, and procreate mm -hmm. and have a good time. And sometimes they end up in other parts of the body and they form cysts. Uh, and yeah, oh. so this one found its way to his uh, brain ew. and it happens often enough that there's a medical term for it Yeah, because the, it just, the cystic part of it is just when it goes into your muscle or whatever. Feels so alien. Yeah. It it's does. disgusting. It is. Parasites it's horrible. are awful, but yes, that's how you get it. Don't mm. eat the undercooked meat. Yes. Always cook the pork and be careful when you eat overseas because not everybody, you know, there are people who do enjoy rare pork. Yes. And it's a thing. It's a thing. I mean, people eat undercooked beef all the time. It's just something you've got to be careful about. Now, don't um, now don't worry about a tapeworm or that type of a parasite taking over your brain. Mm. But there are other parasites that do take over brains, not human brains yet. Oh yes, yes, I, I know what you're talking about. Was but that, um, there's the there is a wasp mm. that uh, actually the, <laughs> it was called the uh, crypt keeper wasp. Oh, fantastic! Yes. Name. <laughs> And uh, there's uh, these little tiny wasps called gall wasps that land and they make these l tiny little tumors on trees. Oh. And uh, Oh, those things do that? Yes. Yeah. Oh. So the crypt keeper wasp will show up and put its larva inside the gall wasp's little, little baby n nursery. Yeah. Their little larva go inside of the gall wasp's larva and takes over their brain and makes them punch a little hole through the gall and then they get their head stuck. Then the uh, crypt keep you know if you if uh, you are uh, squeamish uh, pre prepare yourself. Yes. Uh, it then burrows through the larva's head and uh, comes out through the small hole. So the larva can't escape because all it has is just punch this tiny little hole. Yes. And so yes, the, it's it's something that they don't fully understand yet of how it can control the brain. Brain. Because this is something we haven't been able to figure out yet. And then there's of course the. Uh, 
the zombie fungus that a lot yeah. of people are familiar with that take over uh, several species of ants and uh, make them climb up leaves and then sprout. This is like the thing of nightmares for science fiction writers. Yes. Like, you know, if we really wanted a zombie apocalypse, let's just make it from the court, uh, what the Crypt Keeper was. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic idea. <laughs> it's like something from Fallout games where, you know, they make one of the horrible... Horrible bad guys, a, a, a zombie wasp. Gosh, we're giving them ideas. I love the Fallout games <laughs> if you didn't play them. Oh, yeah, no, they're great. Oh. Well, Paranormal News is brought to you by Pin Business Network. Don't settle for the audience that Google wants to give you. Let Pin create the audience that you need. Visit Pin today at pinbn.com. That's P I N B N.com. So I always like getting news out of the way because that usually leads us into what we want to talk about. And today's subject is UFOs which is near and dear to my heart because I have spent a lot of... To give you some background, the moment I watched the very first episode of The X-Files, I was a young man. I was in high school. And I thought to myself, that's the kind of job I want, to be like an investigator or an FBI agent who deals with the really weird stuff that happens in our world. And that was my inspiration. That's what got me into the whole thing. And then I heard uh, this guy named Art Bell and Coast to Coast AM, and he was my hero. I wanted to do, I wanted his job. I used to listen to him constantly and hear the weird stories. So that's how I got into UFOs. What about you? Um, similar route uh, yeah. in regards to X-Files. Uh, yeah, okay. Yes, I mean, okay. that, that really gets you going. And any time you would ever, uh, even in the early days of the Internet, one of the first things that came up there, um, other than the uh, obvious joke where people usually go, of why? the internet initially existed but mm-hmm. uh conspiracies mm-hmm. uh were the other thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah um that thrived a lot on the early internet and you could find uh that was when um things really started to spread like crop circles uh images yeah. around the world of crop circles that one always got me that was the one that i was like man i just can't figure these things out you know and it really creeped me out and the cattle mutilations was the other one that got you going yes and there was there have been some in uh, i mean there there's some every year but they're just a, they're all over too. the place. In yeah. uh, Montana, uh, they're very um, chupacabra-esque, where the cows are found that. drained yeah. of blood. and right. Organs uh, removed, uh, yes. surgical precision. Surgical precision, Like yes. lasers used. Yes. And, and, and you wonder what, like, it, it, even if it, you know, again, you have to go to uh, uh, Occam's Razor, most, yeah. the most What's the most scenario. likely scenario? What's the most likely scenario? It's a person, but why? Why would you? And then to be able to take that kind of equipment with you. Yeah. Like you wouldn't notice somebody with a giant. You'd need a vehicle to power a laser. To, and then. Yep. And no tracks yeah. in most of these scenarios. Yeah. I mean, it's like something just came up from the sky, came down, which is why, you know, all the conspiracy theorists start saying, it's got, it has to be UFOs. And there's people who claim they've seen the UFOs actually hover above a cow, Lift it up a little bit, spin it around, drop it, and they come out the next morning and it's and then, all cut up. And they start wondering that you know, even if it's uh, you know, okay, so now we're going down the extraterrestrial route yeah, yeah, yeah. as as the possibility. Yeah. Why cows? If hum, humans make sense. Yeah. You're observing a planet. You have mm-hmm. identified the the dominant species. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. clearly has some form of intelligence that's above the other mm-hmm. uh, organisms on the planet. Okay, humans make sense. Why cows? Why do they go to cows? Sure. It's the, it, we have other forms of livestock, so it's not just... No, they, they, it, there's been mutilations of sheep. That's you true. Know? Yeah. There has been mutilation. If there are other animals being mutilated, would we ever know? Because some of these animals live out in the middle of nowhere. And by That's the time we find them, who would know? So That's true. And this isn't just a United States phenomenon. I mean, this happens all over the world. 
You know, there's been cattle mutilations in Europe, certainly parts of France, but Colorado seems to have its fair share. In fact, the first one was really found, like Linda Moulton Howe, she did the first reporting of that. And it was in 78 or 77 that a uh, guy in Gunnison, I think it was, had his first cow mutilated. Of so. course, Gunnison. That's the setting yes. for Alien versus Predator Requiem. Oh, that's uh, right. Yes. And if you're watching that <laughs> movie, <laughs> yes. they are clearly not in Gunnison. Uh, there are no. ferns and... <laughs> right. There are no four... Th- yeah, it does not look like that at all. And... Uh, what were we just talking about? Sorry, I got totally distracted no, by it's the... it's my fault. It's okay. Um, yeah, the, uh, the cow mutilation. Cow mutilation. Yeah. And, it, yeah. And, it, yeah, there, there was one recently in Montana Yeah. Um, where it was, I think, three or four over the course of a couple of weeks or something, and no tracks, no nothing. Sure. When it comes to the human abduction thing and that whole phenomenon that people talk about it, I always had this idea that if I was a really advanced species and I had total control over my genetic makeup, I've eliminated mutations altogether because I've engineered myself in a way that means, because evolution, which is something I studied when you're in anthropology is what you do. What it does is it, uh, the genetic lines can narrow depending if you inbreed. And the only way that changes is through mutation to open it back up or finding someone else that's the same species as you with differing DNA, right? And mutation is everything to evolution. Without it, life on this planet technically wouldn't exist. But if I was a space-based race that spent all of its time removing mutation, I get this crazy bottleneck genetically. Yes. So I either need to find a new source of genetic material to cause new mutations to happen to perpetuate my species, or I just get to this point where everything is perfect and problems arise, you know? What happens with reproduction at that point? Do they even reproduce? Could they reproduce? Yeah. You know what I mean? It might be like, you're using us because they need the mutations. Yes, there's um, actually the latest Predator movie, The Predator, yes. uh, which didn't mm-hmm. get great reviews it didn't on get, it. Yeah. Um, but it does cover that. It, it basically comes to mm, the conclusion, right. uh, it, it says, uh, okay, so what's the motivation of the Predator? So it tries sure. to answer that question. Yeah. And the question that they, or the, the way they chose to answer that question was, they're looking for dominant species and then taking the best, best attributes yeah. and then a- acquiring them or applying them genetically to their own. It'd be creepy. Imagine your species is dying and you have to find mutation. And that's why Earth is so important is just everything on the planet mutates. Everything. Some of the simplest single-celled organisms to the most complex things. It's coronavirus. <sighs> that thing is just going out of control for, what, like 40,000, they say, infected? Yeah. Over 1,000 deaths. Yeah, it's not it's not going well. No, and then there's 200 people in this great state of Georgia who have been quarantined because they came back from a trip to parts of China. They weren't in Wuhan, but yeah, even the World Health Organization is saying this thing is just the tip of the iceberg and could be real bad real quick. And we talked about that last time, and it's just terrifying on every level. Yeah, it's it doesn't help that it's in the in the state or in the place of the world with the highest population densities yeah, I know. in China and then India's right next to them. All right, so. it's just waiting to explode. Yeah, which is just awful. Yeah, yeah, it's terrifying. Thanks yeah. for bringing that back. Oh, up. you're welcome. It was a really good sort of of run of things. <laughs> well, and uh, but on that um, genetic uh, topic, uh, you know, Prometheus we talked about, uh, which covers a lot of that content um, or that concept of genetic mm-hmm. 
evolution and genetic mm-hmm. uh, uh, application mm-hmm. to planets. So we exist because of this alien race that spread that's oh, just I been know, using I its know. genetic experiments all over the place. Sure, like we and, were seated here. Yeah. Yes. Mm, yeah. I like that. And then it, 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 which is super interesting, but then it's still, you know, and the question gets brought up in Prometheus. Well, then who made that? It's, made it them, always right. goes. It always goes back to the same problem. Right. But who it is an interesting who? concept. Yeah. Yeah. To try to tackle. And the problem I, I ran into with evolution is that it has a tendency to... There's no intermediate species. Typically, because you, are you familiar with some of the terms in evolution? Yes. All right. So have you heard of punctuated equilibrium? I have not. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> so in evolution, uh, a lot of people think that there's gradual changes over time that affect species. The problem with that is that you lack a bunch of intermediate species or at least examples of that evolution happening over time. Uh, one of the, I forget who the scientists who came up with the idea of punctuated equilibrium, but the idea is that the changes are instant and sudden. And that, that is how evolution truly works. It's not a, a grand mutation over time. It's an instant, quick change to a species as it moves forward. And it could just be that uh, the survival of the fittest ones survive, and then suddenly all the little ones go away, and the big ones survive, X, Y, Z. But it's, it's, it's immediate, fast change, evolutionarily speaking, which I think explains more of the life on Earth than the gradual stuff. But at the same time, what causes those immediate changes are they engineered changes i mean we assume we're the only intelligent species on this planet that's ever existed yes right we've been around for what five to eight million years yeah well the planet's how many billions of years old yeah there's 250 million years of just dinosaurs yeah we have we have clear evidence that entire eras of organisms that without humanity ever coming around it existed so it's kind of creepy yeah but i I don't yeah no that's good stuff yes imagine if evolution happens on other planets and Yes. In the same processes. So I've already named quite a few movies, but in regards yeah. to abduction, yes, Fire in the Sky. Oh, great movie! That, 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 that one really freaked one. me out. Yeah, uh, and the Fourth Kind. I saw that one. Kind of creepy. Yes. It was later based on a bunch of information that was made up, according to the people that wrote it. Yes, it's it kind of it kind of blends, it kind of blurs the line between reality and fiction. fiction yeah uh but it is based uh, i guess on a series of events in alaska uh in which some people uh, s- uh, shared similar nightmares um and uh correlated with abduction which was yes freaky abduction. stuff so <laughs> now that since we're into ufos i want to talk about personal experiences now some people have a lot some people have very few and have you had any major UFO sightings, experiences? Uh, I have not. Thanks of abductions. Really? I have not personally, no. I've got several. Yeah. And would you like to hear about them? Oh, yes, them? very okay, much well, so. Uh, so, again, I was an anthropologist. I have lived on Indian reservations. I've been all over looking at the sky. I've spent a lot of time in the outdoors. Um, one of these takes place in the middle of the city, getting an oil changed with someone I was dating at the time. And what had happened, uh, I went outside during this oil change. I remember it being a Jiffy Lube. We were right, it was in the, it was in the heart of Aurora, Colorado. We were just south, or I'm sorry, just south of, um, uh, what's the Air Force Base here? It's, um, it's not Pete Field because that's in the Springs. It was, um, it's escaping me. There's a big Air Force Base in Aurora. <laughs> it's <laughs> right there. Choking. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. And then, um, can't help you. Anyway, we're just south of that, and I, I look up. And there is a what looks like the Triforce uh, from the Zelda games in the sky, 
flying around itself. And it would stop, and I could see three triangles with a missing triangle in the middle just sitting there. And then suddenly uh, they broke apart, and they looked like fish in a fishbowl swimming around each other. And it was completely erratic. And they went from being erratic back into that same Triforce formation instantly. And then the craziest part was I watched a commercial airliner pass above it. So the distance was had to be less than the distance between the airplane and me. And I reported this one to MUFON, and then I got it. That was a really weird situation, too, with the reporting. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But what had happened is they, they kept going in and out of this formation. They kept, you know, acting like fish in a fishbowl, getting back to the triangle formation, fish in a fishbowl, and then suddenly they all stop. They turn, and they undulate like this from me to the mountains as fast as I could go. Holy crap, they were gone. And then I decided to report that to MUFON. And they said, that's very interesting. We'd like to talk to you about that. And um, I, I got this mysterious email that said, we'd love to meet you and talk about it. So I show up and I talk to that. I, I go to this coffee shop in Aurora. And there's a guy in a black suit sitting there. And he sit, says, hi there. He buys me a coffee. We sit down. I tell him the whole story. And he's like, man, that is very fascinating. That's a really cool story. And I said, uh, well, what are you going to do with it? And he goes, well, you know, we'll, we'll see what we can do with it. And then uh, he leaves. And a day later, MUFON recontacts me and says, we'd like to meet with you to talk about the story. <laughs> and I said to the guy, I've already met with someone. And he goes, we haven't sent any of our people to talk to you. We just now got to this story. That's awesome. This is 2002, 2003-ish. So, well, he did it. He did the the first guy did a terrible job. Clearly, you remembered meeting him. He didn't use the neuralizer on you. So, so it was that was kind of creepy. That one always makes me freak out a little bit because that one was just that one was really, 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 really weird. Yeah, and I th the um, the most common shape, obviously, you know, cylindrical, the mm -hmm. the torus, the yeah. circular shapes, but the triangles are actually. Um, pretty big too. I think that it was the the because one of the biggest UFO events where it was witnessed Buckley by most people. Base. Buckley, yes, Buckley, yes, near Buckley, yes. Um, was in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, or somewhere in Arizona. Um, I don't remember the details right now, but the, there was the it was a triangular shape. I'm pretty sure, and it, mm -hmm. a lot of people witnessed it, like hundreds, of thousands of people. Yeah, that was the the uh, Phoenix Lights event. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And these were small. My, I actually had the idea that this, what I might have been watching might have been first-generation drone. Yeah. And since it was near Buckley, um, the Air Force would have been very interested to in finding out who saw what. And mainly, I think they do that to gauge to see if, if the person who watched it is confused and in awe, then it's doing its job, mm -hmm. which means you can't identify it, which is what they want, especially if you have a weapon. Because this thing, if as fast as it was moving, it could have delivered an ordinance or a payload faster i mean it would have come and dropped it and would have been gone before this thing even hit the ground so it makes a lot of sense to me that a government agency would want to know if the anonymity is kept yeah because it fooled the people at home it would be it's easy to fool the world now and then we can just deny it uh, we don't know what that was was it a ufo was it an actual drone it's it's yeah. weird it, it, it creeped me out I mean, I was really freaked out, so much so that I stopped reporting a lot of the stuff because of that event Yeah, and the interview. Oh, yeah. That makes sense because now you're, you're – how long are they going to be monitoring you for 
That, yeah, because yeah. they, they clearly were able to yeah. sneak into that situation. And I, I mean, I went to the MUFON website. I sent them an email. At the time, it was not as organized as it is now, which is a really good site, and I, I enjoyed it. I did do one of the reportings just recently when I saw something move around the Castle Rock in Castle Rock, Colorado, and right around the whole drone time that people were freaking out. And when did you say that that, that happened? 2002, 2003-ish? Yeah. Because what's interesting about that is that uh, uh, there are two things that mm -hmm. you said that I find yeah. really interesting about that. Uh, firstly, when it comes to uh, what a lot of people say is that um, government technology, mm -hmm. particularly military technology, we by the time we're aware of it, it's they have been working on it and probably using it for at least a decade right. or two and decades. And well tested at that point. Yes. Because now this is a public test. Yes. So in regards to drones, mm -hmm. 20 years ago, no, nobody used drones. So they could yeah. have been easily like right. in the middle of And this looks like it was AI controlled. Yeah. My guess is there's also some sort of programming thinking program that was used to do it, which is back then... Now we're talking about things that are smart enough to do it, but if it really is 10 years ahead, it makes sense that 10 years ago is when I saw something flying through the air that looked like it was artificial. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that makes a yeah. lot of sense. What that adds have? up with that. And then uh, just the uh, in regards to budgets, mm. where does all of our money go? It all goes of that the military money technology. that just disappears. So, of course, black it's going to have the, it, yeah, have the advance, advancement is right. going to be there. The other thing um, that I found interesting that you said was them – there is a legitimacy to them wanting to know what you saw. How did it look? Right. Because they do that with their own, their own s staff and military yes, people. Absolutely. The personnel, uh, the t the Tic Tac um, incident. That, that uh, yeah. naval officer, that pilot, said that that wasn't his first time in regards to him going out, yes, observing something, coming back, back. and somebody from NORAD calling him up and asking him. What he saw. What he saw. You think now, he see? doesn't go into detail in any of those yeah. things. The Tic Tac, he does, obviously. We've got a lot of public yeah. evidence on that. But he mentions it in passing. Like, oh, that's not unusual yeah. for me to be, for me to go Indeed. out, report back, mm -hmm. and then they'll ask me what I saw. And he said sometimes they tell him what it actually was, mm -hmm. and sometimes they wouldn't. Sometimes right. they'd be like, thank you for thank your you. information. Click. Have a great day. Yep. And on that jet, he was using a new advanced form of radar. So that's how he, quote, saw it. So wouldn't you want to test the best radar against your best flying machine? I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It does. Because yeah. as much as I want it to be alien, a lot of this probably isn't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Because you never know. There are some stuff that you just can't quite explain. Another one happened when I was living next, very close to proximity. It's because I'm still near an Air Force base with this next story. And uh, I'm driving home. I used to work for a large broadcast company here in town. And it was late in the afternoon. I took a left turn to get onto my street, and I look over, and I see something that looks like a black soccer ball in the air. But as it's moving, it looks like it's struggling to stay up. Like something's really wrong with this thing. It keeps dropping and picking itself back up. It's spinning. It drops again. It looks like it has black grating on each one of these soccer-like sides to it. And it, it's completely silent, but I'm hearing this whirling sound because I stop. And this is, I, I didn't have a cell phone that had a camera on it at this time. This is right after the, the triangle one because there were cameras. I didn't think about it. And mostly I just sat there going, you know, and t cell phone technology is not like it then like it is today. Yeah. You know, things have really advanced since oh, yeah. the, the iPhone hadn't even been out yet. And uh, 
I see it struggling. I pull my car over and I stop. I get out and I'm just staring at this and I'm hearing this buzzing. And then out of nowhere from the left comes in a really quiet helicopter. And it, it pulls up kind of alongside this thing. The door opens. The guy is so close that when he opens it, he sees me. And we make eye, what looks like eye contact. He takes a hook. The ball just stops. He puts a hook on it. And he pulls it into this helicopter, closes the door, and it flies away. I thought it was a UFO, but then I realized I'm staring at what might be like a, a drone that's failing or some sort of surveillance thing that... I have no idea what it was. And, you know, if I had to go before Congress and tell them I said this, I would raise my right hand and tell them the whole story exactly the same way. And it was it was just the weirdest thing I ever saw. That's crazy. Yeah. Also, and it, it was just so close. And then yeah. seeing the guy pulling it in, seeing me, and he's, we're just kind of like, this is awkward. Yeah, because no one's supposed to see this. You know yeah. what I mean? No one's supposed to understand what any of this stuff is. And, and that, that's a hilarious thought to have because a lot of the, uh, a lot of these UFO sightings, especially the, uh, uh, we, where we, we are, we don't have any evidence of it, but even some of the ones where we do yeah. like the Tic Tac, for example, yeah. the movement of it, it shoots up, you know, 10,000 feet in the air and then drops 2000 feet. And, they, and you're going, well, why is it doing that? And it's like, well, it's How probably not supposed to do that. If it's a, if it's a technology yeah, it from be. here, yeah. it's probably malfunctioning. It just, I mean, like it it's possible be. that it's a Absolutely. test that's failing. And so when you see something that shoot off 50 feet in one direction and then shoots back to like that set same, location, same, right. it's like, well, it probably wasn't supposed to do that. Um, yeah. it's a, it's a high possibility that you're, yeah. you're seeing a test you and it's failing. To accidentally witness a test and that thing was supposed to go home on its own and, and then the it. helicopter had to go and get it. <laughs> yeah. That was the thing is that sometimes the tests don't always work and you're going to do it over your own soil because then you can control the operation to get it back. Yeah. Cause if it goes down, you don't have to worry about the Russians, the Chinese, uh, even the, uh, Great Britain and Mexico, any one of these countries that might have some sort of interest in finding technology like that, that's yours that you've got to keep ultra secret. Of course you want to test it, but you're going to test it over your own urban areas. Yeah. Because it makes the most sense. Because then they just have to silence Josh in order to... What crashed? Him. It was a test of a test airplane. We rescued all the people. No survivors. It was terrible. And then you release a name of non-existent people who worked for the military. Who's going to corroborate those names? Or you just say nothing at all. You yeah. can just say it was a drone crash. Oops. Sorry. Which is creepy. 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 Mm. So one more story. I like this one before we just... I don't know. I love yeah. the UFO stuff. Oh, no, and if you guys listen to this and you have really cool stories, we want you to send us this stuff. Um, when you look at the channel below, there will be a... a pl in the comments section, just tell us some of your stories, and we'll share those because we, we like your stories. Because I've got just a few, and there are people who have much cooler stories than I ever will, especially if you're like ex-military. Have you you've worked on these without pissing off our government too much? Feel free to share them with us. Don't send us things, though. Not yet. We're not we're not ready to handle, like, arts parts and stuff like that, but our dead pieces of aliens. You know, don't send us weird stuff. Don't. Don't. But do send us pictures. We love that stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, we like absolutely. it. Yeah. Not until we get a little bit bigger and we have a facility where we can actually house this crap. <laughs> but uh, I was on a – I was living on an Indian reservation. And uh, I don't know if this was, technically would be a UFO or not. But I was with some elders at the time. And I remember watching something streak across the sky like it was a shooting star. But it stopped and came back. I thought that was pretty cool. And then a little while later, there was, and this is in 
parts of the country where lightning bugs aren't. I've never actually seen a lightning bug outside of states of New York and Florida, places with plenty of water. I was in what was essentially the high desert. And I saw something that looked like a little lightning bug just kind of make its way into the middle of our camp, and it stops. And I'm sitting there in shock. The rest of the people with me were acting like they had seen something like this before. And then it gets so bright, you can see it, it is like the sun. I mean, it, it fills the canyon that we're in. It's blinding. I have to look away from it. It gets so bright, and then it gets real small again, and then just piddles away. And well, did you have a guess on size on that? It was tiny. It looked extreme. It was like a bug. Then so not only moving at that, at that, at, with that, like a bug of speed. It, mm-hmm. it was, it was, the, it was that size. It was tiny. Well. Okay. It was tiny because it looked like it flew in right over. And I wasn't on peyote or anything like that. It's not like I was on any sort of psychotropics <laughs> or something. I was stone cold sober, and it just kind of came in, and then it got so bright it blinded me. I could not look. I mean, as I looked away, I could see that the, the canyon walls behind me were lighting up. One could more, you could hold a newspaper up, and it was so bright that the, it would have been shining right through it. I'd never seen something so bright. And then it just piddles away, and I'm sitting there in shock, and the rest of the group with me are, are just kind of like, meh, meh. Later, I asked someone about the event, and he's like, we've seen that stuff before. That's just, you know, what the spirits do around here sometimes. Hmm. Which makes me think that, you know, is there a connection between the spiritual world and UFOs to some degree? You have to wonder. You have to wonder. I mean, it's got to be a... But that was a really... I mean, it's not really a UFO story, but it's still kind of a cool story. But still seeing the thing streak in and out. I mean, it all kinds of weird lights. It follows the rules. It's unidentified. It's flying. flying, But it's it's real tiny. (laughs) It's tiny, though. And it it was just... It was weird. Yeah. I've never had anything like that since. Yeah. And, you know, there's... There will probably be another weird story about the supernatural that comes up in another episode where we'll get back into that one. But oh, yeah. those are those are my per- personal experiences, the two big ones. And then I d- did kind of see like a, uh, a cylindrical thing that kind of faded in and out near Buckley, too, that was up in the sky. It looked like one of those giant cigar-shaped ones you all talk about. But it was so transparent, you could almost see the sky through it. So it makes me want, you know, is this ours? Is this theirs? I don't know. I have yeah. a feeling a lot of it's ours, and we're just simply testing it on ourselves. Yeah. Because that'd be the easiest way to go about using this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it, the thing that people jump to uh, when they they want to go to extraterrestrials, and I blame them because I would lo- I want to too. Yeah. Uh, but we, you have to keep in mind the, that money is necessary for testing certain materials. Mm-hmm. Certain materi- mm-hmm. materials are very expensive, and in order to really test them well, you have to have a very large budget, and the very large and one of the largest budgets that exists is in military. Military, right? And so they're going to have tested this stuff for years. So if you catch something like that, which is a big deal, mm-hmm. the, in, especially in this information age, you have yeah. to find some way to dodge information. You have to find some way to avoid right. detection. Because is one hundred. Once someone sees it, they get that one video, and it spreads across the world instantly. I mean, yep. it goes viral within minutes. So yeah, you yep. got to hide these things. Is what you're getting at. Yeah. And so, and that's like the, that's the number one thing. So they may already have the technology necess- necessary to uh, pinpoint a building that would yeah. decimate the the target that you're trying to hit. Mm-hmm. They have that. They've already had that. Right now, it's the delivery system. Yes. Yes. Can and you keep quiet? Yeah. And then it gives you plausible deniability if you really want to strike somebody with. We don't know how that happened. Yeah. That may have just been an object from space that flew in. That was the other weapon that I, I think that 
we're probably exploring is how to make something fall from space to look like it was a meteorite hit disguised as a weapon. Yes. Kinetic energy weapons. The rods of God. That's the other one. And uh, I believe that's how the... Um well, I mean, actually, they literally do that. But in uh, yeah. Starship Troopers, the bug aliens uh, didn't have advanced weaponry, so they no. shot, shot meteors. meteors. At yeah, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, and just going back to that idea that the best way to test something is to see if your own people recognize it. Because yep. we've got more cameras than anyone. Everybody's got a camera in their pockets these days, and if you can't identify what you're looking at, then you have more than plausible di- deniability. As long as it remains hidden, no one has any proof, you've got a secret weapon Yep, that doesn't go anywhere. And the current administration just increased NASA's budget by billions of dollars, defenses by billions of dollars, and we have a space force. So if we have a space force and he's already created it, how long has it already been in place? Yeah. I have a sneaky suspicion that we have a ton of stuff already. If not just one good, there might be something like a capital ship out there. You know, there might be a way to actually have space marines be dropped in a zone. Because those flying triangles, I, I personally think that a lot of those might be super secret troop transports. They come in, they're quiet, they can go around the world in minutes, make their way down, drop somebody off, be completely dark and silent. You could drop off an entire platoon. I don't know much about military speak, but you could drop off a bunch of guys, tanks, and dudes to go out and break things and blow them up. And then it just, it's gone. And talk about instantaneous resupply. You wouldn't have to worry about fighting your way through enemy lines. You would just be able to show up undetected, drop something off, and get back to it. You could extract people. I wonder how many black ops operators have been extracted because of, you know, these really, really specialized transports that are out there. Because we're in the business of making things quiet. We own the night, according to the military. That's my thing. Yeah. TR-3B is a, a troop transport. That's all they've been testing. Because the only way you win wars is to put people on the ground. You can blow stuff up from the sky, but until you actually own it and keep it, it's not yours. Yep. Crap, the phone keeps going off. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's work. I should have gotten rid of this. I'm sorry to all of our viewers. It's going away right now. There's the buzz. Well, you're just popular. No, it's, well, it's probably because I'm not doing something. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so yeah. Anything else that you feel on the subject of things that the, fly in the sky? The um, the capsule one. I mean, the the light uh, reflect or refraction uh, that you said that it, it's looked almost transparent. Yes. Um, yes. Is AI and technology that is publicly experimented on in a lot of places. I yeah. believe Japan is working on a suit that mm-hmm. refracts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Obviously, the issue with that is that is our three-dimensional shapes, mm. we're bending, and so it bends the light around. The, sure. And so that's the difficulty of, like, trying to find a way to, like, appear flat to the viewer. Yeah. Uh, against the background. And, and they're, they're, but they're working on it. They're working on light refracting, uh, refractive suits. They want advanced camouflage that makes you look invisible. That yeah. somebody somewhere who has these kind of budgets is telling people, you know, I could DARPA. I want to be invisible. Make that happen. Okay, well, what if I just got cameras to take a picture of me that way, but put up a screen in front of me? All I have to do is produce lights on one side of the skin of an aircraft that are the same color of what's above me. Then essentially, you just, you know, you'd look like the sky above you. 
So there's got to be somebody that's been working on that stuff. Yep. And other weird advanced weapons. But that, you know, a lot of the UFO phenomenon is probably us. I've got to guess that some of it isn't. You know, I want there to be. I, you know, I want to believe, as the saying goes. <laughs> yes. I want to believe. Yeah. But I've never actually met an alien. I've never seen, I've never, never really had an interaction that would lead me to believe that it's something from another planet. Plus the distances, the vastness of the universe. I mean, to cover those distances would be too much. Yeah. Unless they don't have an age and they don't die. I mean, dying could just be an earthly-based concept, and age is something that we're only familiar with because of the way our life is structured. Yeah. Um, and then you, I mean, then you're getting into like the, you know, time bending if they, you know, oh, yeah. it, it, interstellar, uh, yeah. in the sense of if they're living next to a black hole, they're technically developing at a different pace than us, but yeah. even though they are developing at the same pace. Of it. And so it's, yeah. they, they could be billions of years ahead of us sure. and be the same age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Right. Yeah. Then you're getting into theoretics. Yeah. Or or theoretical. You know, they're, I know physics. And it's just the weird distances. And then all of, I know, and then we have, a, the military has had a lot of um, interactions with UFOs. And that's what really disturbs me, because if they're reporting on something and they don't know what it is, either that's a smoke screen to keep people from looking in the direction that they do know, or they actually don't know. And one of my favorite stories with that was Operation High Jump. Did you familiarize yourself with High Jump? I did, yes. So for those of you who haven't heard about High Jump, the entire U.S., I think it was the 7th Fleet, was sent to Antarctica to look for escaped Nazis that were building bases down there in the ice. And which is kind of scary because this is post-World War II. This is already after the Germans have surrendered. And there's this idea that they put up a whole bunch of bases down there with some pretty advanced technology because the Germans were certainly trying to work on what they called Wunderweapons because they wanted these weapons that would... I mean, the Germans were this close to winning everything. They were that close to the bomb. They were that close... I mean, they had jet engines before the war even went down. They were just... They were losing because they were being overwhelmed. And fortunately, Hitler was crazy. And I'm glad he's dead. But, you know, his drive was is to make sure that you create all these super weapons that allow them to win the war. It was, it was scary how close they actually were. Yeah. And if you were losing, the idea is that you got to go into hiding to come back for the next war. So a lot of think, people think they sent down there. So the U.S. Navy sends the 7th Fleet to Antarctica. And it was Rear Admiral Byrd who was in charge of Task Force 68. And then when they went down there, this was one of the most hardened Pacific fleets that we had had from the war. These were guys that had just come out of fighting for their lives, as it were. And there wasn't a Navy on the planet that could have taken them. But when they go down to Antarctica, they get their asses kicked. We lose weapons, ships, everything. I mean, they are just absolutely mopped by the floor with them. And there are reports that some people say that it was saucer-shaped craft that came out of the water and ice and started eliminating their planes, their ships, and their personnel. And they turned right around and came back, limping, which is terrifying. Because if that is truly the case, what's in Antarctica? Because it is still the one place in the world that nobody can go. 
Yeah. You know, there are international treaties that keep everybody out of Antarctica. And the last person from our government to go there was actually um, uh, the, um, it was under the Obama administration. We sent Kerry out there. Why would you send the Secretary of State Kerry to Antarctica? Usually send him to go out to meet with somebody as an ambassador. Who's he, who's he ambassading, for lack of a better yeah, word? Yeah, there's like nine people that live on yes, Antarctica at any given time. In stations yeah, from different countries. Yeah. So why would you send him there? You only send ambassadors to go talk to people to start a, a dialogue. So who is he starting a dialogue with? Why is it so secret? Why do we keep everyone out? Why do most Google Maps pictures just show you ice and then there are some places that are completely blocked out? It, you know, Area 51 is blocked on Google Maps. What is blocked on Antarctica that they're not telling us about? Yeah. That's the craziest portion about it. So the UFO and militaries has had a rich tradition. And I don't think, it, you know, we had Project Blue Book throughout the 50s. Yes. Yeah. And it, yeah. That way it started as a project sign, which mm. was eventually, I don't know what the proper term is, but disbanded uh, for being overly biased for extraterrestrials. And it was replaced by uh, project grudge, mm. which was then overly biased against Again. extraterrestrials. Absolutely. Then uh, blue book came out after that. And it was trying its best to be as easy. Send another possible. Colorado guy there. Uh, J. Allen Hynek from University of Boulder just actually do some of this investigation. And of all the cases, you know, there were some, a lot of them were very well explained. Some of the answers that he gave were obviously answers that were coerced. You know, you have to tell somebody this is swamp gas. You have to tell somebody this is a mass hysteria. Because <laughs> some of those answers, you're just kind of like, hmm. Yeah. But there were some legitimately in there. He was like, we have no idea what this is. Yeah, there, I think of the 17,000, I think, yeah. uh, over Blue Book's um, research. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's what you'd call it, but research. It was. Um, <laughs> there was 535 that were unexplained, I think, and then 13 that they had, that there was, like, there was a different category of it. But there yeah. were, like, 13 where they were, like, we have no idea what we this is. We don't even begin. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and then eventually uh, the Majestic 12 show up out of nowhere. And they were the people that were 12 individuals from all parts of the U.S. military industrial complex that were responsible, supposedly responsible for keeping things hush-hush. And then from them, the idea was, because at that time, they thought society couldn't handle the, you know, if extraterrestrials were real, could society handle it? Yeah. And then, you know, because it goes against all of the religions. It goes against the idea that we are it in this world and that society would fall apart. Yeah. And you're familiar with the Majestic 12? The I'm MJ not. 12? I'm not. Are they, are they reptilians? Uh, I don't think so. I think that's the royal family <laughs> and the bushes. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> but yeah. No, they were, they were a group of uh, individuals. We'll probably cover a whole show on that because we could. But um, the idea was that they're responsible for keeping things secret. And if there was supposed to be a... Um, an, an eventual disclosure, you couldn't do it right away. You had to piece it out in small stuff. And then right away, as soon as MJ-12 shows up, you start seeing all these wonderful UFO movies start popping up. And the idea is that you would get society ready for the idea of extraterrestrials through culture. And then we go back to the anthropology thing, because I was an applied anthropologist. You try to have effects directly on culture and material culture. And if you want to change it, you, you slowly start changing ideas. So you create movies where... 
some of the aliens are bad guys and some of the aliens are good guys, but the bottom line is that the idea that aliens exist. And then you start getting directors involved in the CIA. So suddenly you have movies like Close Encounters of the Third Kind show up, which was a movie that was a first of its kind, where we're just trying to get everybody used to this idea that we've been visited and might have had an exchange. I think that was something called Project Serpo, but... I digress on that one. And then you have um, Spielberg show up with a movie called E.T. Yeah. Where suddenly it's a cute little alien that everybody likes. And he's just trying to get home. And then suddenly you have the idea of Greys show up. And then you just start ingraining into the culture the ideas that we're not alone. So when you do eventually start telling the public that they do exist, it's not a shock. Societal, th- no societal collapse. There's a there's a bit of a uh, fourth wall break in um, a movie called The Faculty. I don't know if you've ever Ooh, seen that. Oh yes. But Elijah Wood kind of breaks that down in, in The Faculty of talking about you know it, the, maybe some of these people have had actual experiences with aliens and they're yeah. trying to let us know like hey this exists this is a thing. That's right. So they kind of break the fourth wall a little bit in that movie with that, with that little speech the little monologue he does. And, yeah. Um, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. You know it. It makes a lot of sense that you would have psychologists and stuff work on trying to get the idea that you should get used to the fact that you're not alone. And maybe you're not alone. Because if aliens do exist, I don't think they came from somewhere else. I think they came from right here. They're just a really old species that became really advanced and left. Yeah. And then you come home. Yeah. And and to that regard, because uh, you brought up a, as it's contradictory to the logic of life, and in, in from like a religious standpoint, and even mm-hmm. non religious standpoint, of this is what life is, and to just suddenly, oh no, the, the, you know, right. there's aliens. That, you know, it completely changes your worldview. Mm-hmm. And by introducing it in fiction, your mind is able to wander of. Well, you know, how does the, how would that fit into my right. worldview if that were to happen? And so you have the possibility of like kind of breaking that down in your in your thought process and your logics and your your worldview before it would actually become mm-hmm. apparent that that's the case. So you're at least somewhat mentally prepared for it, even if you didn't realize that you were, because you've already been daydreaming about right. it. Right. Because if they end up showing up on the White House lawn, people are going to effectively say, "I knew it. <laughs> I suspected it the whole time." You know, fifty, sixty years ago. You know, the War of the Worlds radio broadcast, people were grabbing their guns and heading out to the fields to start fighting back. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a total change. But you'll still have those individuals, you know, who will see it as a takeover. Anyway, it's another Well, just, another as, long as, the, just as long as the ones that show up don't show up on the, on the White House lawn don't look like the ones from Mars Attacks. That, I think <laughs> oh, God, I love that movie. Another good one. That's a good one. Because it would just show how stupid we would be for the first interaction. <laughs> we show you this dub. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to call it. All right. That was a great... I, I love doing this with you. Oh, I love doing it's this with you. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's fun. So I can't believe you're paying me to do this. Again, <laughs> don't forget to ring that bell. We need all of the people subscribing to our channel. We need as yes. much as possible. Um, we love you. Share us with your friends, family, your colleagues. To, uh, we're here to... Talk about the things that are interesting and weird. If there's anything you'd like us to talk about, go ahead and comment on it. Let us know. If we've made mistakes, you, I'm sure you'll tell us, but we'll correct those as well because I don't remember it all. Yes. And it's a lot of fun. We enjoy doing this. I'd like to thank everyone that helps make this possible. Firstly, Penn, thank you for giving us the time to make this a fun paranormal sort of venture. Absolutely. And also don't forget to go to Family Fest. That is February 22nd, 11 to 5. Go to eventbrite.com. 
Use the code OCNHALF to get half off your tickets today or head over to FamilyFest.com. Thank you for being our sponsor. I would like to thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for, for having me. Absolutely. And I'd oh. like to thank the guy sitting behind the glass helping me, Mr. Yes. L. He is a, um, he's a mysterious man himself. The man in black is what we like to call him. <laughs> but this has been another episode of the Paranormal Pod, Paranormal Past... Pod, oh, man, I'm butchering that on the That's end there. That's right. Oh, oh, Another so episode of the Paranormal Past Podcast. I am your host, Josh Hammerling, along with my host... Dalton Van Hooser. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time. See you.